Hey friends, we are your hosts, Leanne and Llewellyn, and welcome back to the One With Friends podcast. We are recording this after Prime Day. Llewellyn, how much money did you spend at Amazon? Um, I think Any I totals? stayed under 100. I'm proud of you. Uh, what did you get? Um, I mean, nothing super exciting. I got... Um, what did I buy? I just bought it. Um, <laughs> I bought a water bottle for running. Um, oh. And it's mostly everything for running. That and um, KT tape for my knee. Okay. Um, and then I bought, I don't know if you've heard of the Celsius like energy drink. I have not. Um, it's like a healthy version that like helps like boost your metabolism. It's good to take before you exercise so i've been drinking that in the mornings before i go running and it's really helped wake me up which is good oh okay um, and they were like dirt cheap on amazon yesterday so i bought two cases of them um nice which will last me like two months uh and then i bought new sheets for my bed because i only have like the original sheets that came with it and i just need like a second set when like those are dirty so mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. finally bought myself a pair of sheets and that's literally all i bought I'm proud of you. I restrained. Well done. I wanted to buy so much more. Don't get me wrong. Slow claps for Llewellyn, everyone. Slow claps. Um, in fact, if the rest of you participated in Amazon Prime Day, which they extended to two days, uh, so you had a lot of opportunity to rack it up, I want to know who spent the most. Please send your submissions to the One With Fred's podcast on Instagram. I want to know who racked up the most dough. Who bought the I, most expensive items, what I want to know. Ooh, oh, that's a good one. There were some major deals happening if oh people wanted gosh. to spend I almost, some money. I almost bought myself a treadmill because it was so cheap. And then I, was I like, almost bought myself a Roomba. <laughs> it was literally 43% off. It was $200. It was one of the phone connected ones that went in straight lines not in the random zigzaggy pattern which yeah. where you never know where it's been and where it hasn't um i want you to i want you to ask me i want you to ask me the question you're dying to ask how much money did you spend zero dollars <gasps> i'm proud Llewellyn. of you thank you i am proud of me too because i kept going to amazon tempting myself Throughout the two days, I would keep going on there and think to myself, I should get this because it's on sale. It's the classic, it's the classic girl, like it's on sale. So I have to get it. And then I remembered that I want to have fun while in New York and I want to make progress on my money goals. So I didn't, I didn't spend any money on Amazon that day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, we are in, in it now. We are in and well on our way in season five. We are on episode four and we have an episode recap for you. Yes, we do. So this week we watched season five, episode four titled the one where Phoebe hates PBS. It's a strong word. It's very strong, especially for Phoebe. Um, this yes. one was written by Michael Curtis, directed by Shelley Jensen, and originally aired on October 15th, 1998. 
Phoebe resents Joey's PBS telethon gig because of a long-running grudge she holds against the network. And to cover up her affair with Chandler, Monica tells Rachel she's dating somebody from work. Mm. Yes. So, in the soft open, Rachel is walking into the apartment and bringing in the mail. She is bringing it to Monica's room and she welcomes her into the room with a very seductive voice. Yes. And also with no clothes, which yes. Rachel shockingly finds out as she enters the room upon Monica coaxing her in. Monica runs out of the room. She's in a robe and she tells her that she was taking a nap to which Rachel replied, since when do you take a nap in that position? <laughs> Which only leaves Fair it up question. to the imagination to figure out what that position was. Um, Rachel's like wondering what is happening. Like, please, please, please tell me it's for a guy. Like, please tell me. And she realizes that she can use the lie that she is seeing a guy from work. Like, it just dawns on her. She's like, yes, I'm seeing a guy from work. Ha! As if, like, Rachel was trying to get something else out of her. I think it's like the revelation of it was like, oh my God, I could have been saying this the whole time. Right. Now, um, a knock on the door happens and she's like, ooh, it could be this secret boyfriend. So Rachel opens the door, in walks Joey and Ross, who is on the phone. Um, They were at the movies and when they got thrown out because Ross was on the phone in the theater talking too loud. Okay. What? And uh, Ross, you know, exclaims that, because the movie was so loud, he had to talk so loud. But then Joey says he was calling people during the movie. It's one <laughs> thing if your phone rings or like somebody calls you while you're in a movie, but you are in the movie. Why would you choose that moment to call somebody? I completely agree with you. I was just like, I, mean, I like don't even remember what happens after that. I was just like, what? Why? Kind of, kind of like my unkempt situation in the last, last episode. Week. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's interesting about this is that the, the only, okay, London is six hours ahead of us, roughly. I mean, depending on which time zone you're in, it's, it's around there. So the only appropriate time frame for him to call would be if they were seeing like maybe a matinee movie because then you'd be getting him you'd be getting them like early mid late evening but if it's if it's like a a an evening movie it is like midnight there or could be later if it's an even later movie so that makes no sense to me because he's calling people in London, right? Right. So lots lots happening in that one little scene that we don't agree with. Making calls in theater being the biggest one. Now Chandler comes in and he looks thrilled with himself. He's like tossing a champagne bottle up, like flipping it in his hand. And is surprised when he sees the entire group there. And Monica's sort of in her row behind him, them, like... Kind of like saying, I'm sorry with my eyes, you know? Yeah. And he really quickly has to come up with a reason why he's there. And it's like unwrinkled fax paper or something. His work finally got it. And that's why he's there to celebrate. 
Um, and that is the soft open. Anything with that? Uh, no. Or else? It. All right. Um, back at the apartment, uh, it's now morning time, which signifies that it was probably the next day, which makes me think that they definitely went and saw an, uh, an evening movie, which makes the time frame even less plausible. Joey comes in. And as the group is eating breakfast, obviously, he's in a tux that Chandler has a very adverse reaction to. He keeps calling it the vomit tux. I wonder if there was like a, we really don't get any context into this vomit tux until like later in the episode. And even then, it's a very, you kind of have to tie it together yourself. It's not like. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if we missed a scene and like they cut it before they released it or something. But Joey tells him not to worry. He dry cleaned it. He is going to a telethon as a co-host at PBS. He's like, it's TV exposure. This is great. And Phoebe kind of quips about it under her breath and reveals to the group why she dislikes them. Um, As a kid, she wrote to Sesame Street when her mom died and no one returned her letter to her. So she's been holding a grudge because they gave her – they returned – they returned a letter to her, got her a keychain, but at the time she was homeless. So she's like, I didn't even have keys. Like, what was I going to do with this keychain? So she's holding major grudges. Now, Joey kind of semi apologizes. Um, like, I just thought I would be doing a good deed. And then this conversation begins that there are no unselfish good deeds. Wait. Yes, that yeah. every good deed is selfish in nature. Yeah. Um, now, I know that this is this has gone around, and so I haven't come up with this originally, but unless someone can disagree with me, I will stake the claim in agreement with whatever meme I saw that Ross walking, the Carol, walking Carol down the aisle, aisle was a selfless good deed. Oh, I would 100% agree. Thank you. Yeah. And I think, um, I think, yeah, I will debunk um, Joey's statement and saying that Phoebe having Frank and Alice's babies was a selfless good deed. Because, yes, maybe it brought her joy in the end. Like, she was happy to have done it for them. But, like, mm. that doesn't mean that she was selfish by any means. Like, it's not like she wanted to carry three babies for nine months and then birth them just to not even be able to call them her own. Like, I just think that their their theory of, like, what makes it a selfless good deed is not completely accurate. Yeah. Yeah. And as we'll see, every time, except for maybe the B situation, the, um, the telethon giving... The fact that it resulted in Joey getting on TV isn't like wasn't the point. Like they tried to they tried to prove in a weird way that there wasn't even though like I do think that was a selfless good deed. Right. Yeah. Like she's like giving away her money for something that she is in a grudge with. Yeah. So it doesn't make her feel good. So I agree that this is kind of a it's a slippery slope statement, but it is the theme for their storyline throughout the episode so we will continue to talk about it more um now of course phoebe doesn't believe him like of course there are self like self selfless good deeds but when he asks for an example she can't prove like she can't provide one 
Um, and he's like, all people are selfish. And Phoebe's like, I will beat you, you evil genius. <laughs> Which I think is great. Because she's like semi-agreeing that he's like, he came up with something witty. And she's going to have to think a little extra, like, hard about it. Even though she still disagrees. So I thought that was good. Now, Ross gets a call from Emily. This is the first time we hear from Emily since leaving London, which is crazy. It's been several episodes. Um, this is where the famous scene where he runs and picks up the lamp, which we have talked about before on this podcast, that it wasn't scripted. Like, he just handed. Yeah. He picks it up and hands it to Matthew, Matthew Perry. Perry. Yeah. So funny. It's so funny. Um, and it feels good to be there. Like, it's been forever since we talked about... Yeah. Like, since we did that Fun Facts episode where I think we talked about it, that was in, like, season one. And it's, like, we're... It's good to be there, like, in the series. We have arrived. We have arrived. Now, the only reason she's calling, though, is to tell him to stop harassing her family. But he kind of states, like, I will call all of London to get you to talk to me. And she's like, why? (laughs) Which, Which I was like, okay, that's just bad writing. Like, you know why. Like, you couldn't you couldn't figure out why he would want to talk to you. But right. he's like, I love you. I miss you. And and then, like, she says she misses him, too. Um, so it's kind of like a good, like, oh, I kind of miss you, too. Now, Phoebe asks about when, like, like, OK, so when you said the, the thing about Santa Claus, you mean and he goes that he doesn't exist. And she's like, right. And then all of a sudden he leaves and she like internally freaks out, which is, yeah, it's a great moment in the Friends series. I think to me, like, I remember that one always. Nice. I did not remember that. Oh, OK. I, I do. Because it was it's such an innocent like she like plays it cool with her friends. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then he she turns and she's like, oh, my God. Nice. <laughs> so great. Um, A couple of like goof moments or like mm. continuity, whatever. So Phoebe's starfish barrettes change position in her hair between shots in this scene. Um, super minor detail, but okay. again, continuity. Um, and then yeah. while searching for Emily, Ross dials a wrong British number that begins 011-44-73 or 74. The mm-hmm. 011 is the code to dial an international call from North America. And the 44 is a code for Great Britain. But no British phone number would have continued with 74 until November of 2009 when mm. the code was finally issued. So that was incorrect when he did that. Got it. And then okay. we also talked about the handing the lamp to Chandler was not an, in the script. But yeah. Matthew Perry just handled it so well. Yeah, he's sort of like, wait, like, what is, like, what, do you guys see this? What's happening? It's good. Um, downstairs in the cafe, Rachel asks if Chandler has heard about Monica's secret boyfriend. And he plays it, like, super cool. So, so cool. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I think I heard about that. And then Rachel pushes a little bit because she wants to meet the best sex she's ever had. And he is thrilled. Thrilled. He Monica tries nuts. <laughs> He does. He does. Monica tries to, like, rein him in a little bit. Um, but he's like, man, like, he's the, like, you lucky dog, you. The way like, he throws that paper on the, on the, <laughs> the yes. couch, he's like, yeah. 
<laughs> He's like, really? <laughs> Just very accentuated. Okay. Amazing. Which makes, which is funny because, you know, Rachel mentions that that's the best sex she ever had, which is ironic because Monica is the one who explained or taught the seven erogenous zones <gasps> earlier to Chandler. So oh. It's almost like she was like getting like him ready, you know? Right. <laughs> getting him ready. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm moving on from that one. Yeah, that's hilarious. Okay, that's that is. I hadn't even put that together. Great, great, great point. Um. Okay, Ross comes in, um, stating that Emily wants to work on it, but and they're like, "Oh, yay!" And he's like, "Oh no, in London." He she wants him to move to London. And Monica's like, but you live here. And then he instantly, like, looks at her and she's like, you know, like, okay, you do that. The eye roll that he gives her in this moment (laughs) is so perfect. Yeah. I was like, yes, David Schwimmer. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's such a Monica, like, but you live here. Like, trying to take control and, like, have her say. And she's like, it was such a good, like, sibling moment. It really was. It really was. And he's like, he's like trying to, because it's Ross, he's trying to do everything he can. So he like kind of is considering it. And he's like, maybe he could convince Carol and Susan with Ben to move to London. And Monica has to like bring him back down to reality and be like, oh, honey, like you think that your ex-wife is going to move with her like wife is going to move across the pond so that you can patch things up with your new wife. And he's like, it could happen. (laughs) um, The chances are very slim that that's going to happen. Um, Now we have a very short scene at uh, Unitel Studio 55. Um, Joey is essentially following a woman who is leading him to what we will find is his seat at the tables in front of a phone to take pledges. He is walking in there as if he's like, he's like, hey, how you doing? How, hello. Like he's saying hi to everybody because like he thinks he's going to be the host. Um, but we find out really quickly that something has happened and he is not going to do that. He is going to be taking pledges on the phone. He's like, I'm, I was Dr. Drake Ramore. Like, how dare you? And she's like, well, here you go, doctor. And like walks away. Very quick scene. We will come back to that, though. Back at the apartment again. Phoebe, um, like, can't believe that she can't find a good deed. She's like sitting with the girls, classic girls night. She's like, I can't believe I can't find a good deed. And she gives like an example of like her trying, but her efforts were foiled by her neighbor who... Again, like, just because her efforts are foiled doesn't mean the originality of the statement becomes false. That's why I have a really hard time with this, like, storyline. But she's trying to be like, then he practically force-fed me all this, like, delicious stuff. Um, But she was like, she's like, she will try her darndest. She's like, I will not raise my kids in a world where Joey is right. Or I guess not raise, but bring her kids into a world. Yeah. I don't think she said it that way. Or maybe she did and I missed it. Um, Chandler comes in under the ruse of asking Monica a, co- a cooking question right. <laughs> when he really wants to know if her new secret boyfriend, a.k.a. him, is better than Richard. Yeah. Which, 
is exactly the kind of question I would want to know if I could ask a person up front in front of everybody. And at first, Rachel pretends to like admonish Chandler, but then is curious herself. Yeah. She's like, is he? (laughs) Now, Monica doesn't really want to feed into his ego any more than has already been fed. So she says she wants to respect the secret boyfriend's privacy. But Chandler is like, if it was me and I was being told that I was better than, you know, like he's really laying into it. Yes, he is. And he's like, I would I would do this. And he gets up on the table and does a classic, classic Chandler dance. Yep. It's like the best one I think he does. Yeah, I honestly on the think entire that's show. my favorite scene in this whole episode. It's because so good. I literally had to rewind it and watch it again <laughs> because oh, it, it's that. not just the dance itself. It's the fact that he stands up, pauses, jumps on the and table, then and then does it. And I'm like, this is just so good. It's so good. I I love it as well. And I think I also think to like to to add to that i think that monica does a good job of like being so annoyed with him and she's like i hate that this is happening and she so it's just like a good balance of like both of them because it's the perfect culmination of like that is definitely something you would tell in the confidence of being a girlfriend but because you do life with guy friends of course it would end up like coming out Right. But the fact that none of the friends also know that it's Chandler. Right. He has this like weird upper hand because like he knows something she probably didn't mean for him to know. And and so it's just it's all perfect. It's so perfect. His face, too, when he's doing the dance. Yeah. It's it's so great. I love it. (laughs) So good. So we catch up with Ross at his apartment. He's on the phone and he is like really sorrowful. Tells Emily, like, I cannot move to London. Ben is here. The way that she responds is like, I understand how that would be hard for you. Okay. As if like she, as if he was, as if she like didn't fully agree and see that point. I don't know. I thought. Her acting was subpar in this episode. I also am just like very irritated with Emily in general. I don't really care for Emily to start with, but yeah, just like how can you ask him to move to London and leave his son? Like I would understand if you're asking him to leave like his friends, like if, if Ben mm-hmm. wasn't a thing, but yeah, like you're sure. asking him to move across the country away from his natural born son. Like, yeah, that is not even like, you don't have any kids, you could make that sacrifice. I get that he's the one that messed up, but like this, yeah. that that's ridiculous. At this point it's like Emily, your your hand is terrible. Stop playing that hand because you should not be asking him to leave his child in New York City. It is really weird because I felt like Emily was such a good match for Ross early. Oh, yeah. Early. Like, I remember we would talk about, like, I know two star, like, I don't know what their stance is. They might disagree, but, like, I like them together. And now I'm just annoyed with her. So I completely agree with you. And he even makes a really good point. He's like, "Uh, can't, like, why don't, why, why can't you move to New York? You were going to do it anyways. Yeah. Like, their whole plan was to get married and she would move to New York. Like, like, that's where his great job is. Not that he couldn't be a paleontologist in Europe. I mean, also, would that be so horrible, <laughs> Ross? But 
you know, he has a kid. Um, and she, like, she eventually, like, sort of agrees. And she's like, but there's one thing that, like, I scare, like, that scares me still. I was embarrassed in front of my friends and family. And, like, you still hang out with Rachel. And he's like, there is nothing going on. And so she kind of has this statement, like, I'll move, like, as long as you don't see Rachel anymore. Ugh, gut punch. Gut punch. And so it sits there. Like, we, like, at that point, it goes to a commercial break. Yeah. We jump back to the girls' apartment, so it leaves us hanging a little bit. There is a small group of the friends at the apartment watching the telethon um, in support of Joey, which I love. I love how they add these little elements of the friends watching his shows. Um, Because it's like, that's what you do. Like, you support friends. Like, no matter what, like, I thought it was really sweet. So they're watching this telethon just to be able to see Joey and, like, support, like, him doing his thing. Because, like, telethons aren't what I would want to do on a Friday or Saturday night, you know? They usually go into, like, the late morning. I'm like, no thanks. So Ross comes in and, or he's he's already in there, sorry. He's explaining to them as they're all sitting around the telethon, explaining what happened with Emily. At first they celebrate because, like, she's moving back to New York. But he cuts them off to tell them the real news. And... He said he'd think about it with her. He's and and he like he's asking for help from the friends and they can't really help them or they can't really help him. He kind of they kind of toggle back and forth just like Ross is doing. They offer essentially no help because they can also argue both sides of the story or both sides of the argument to the point where like even their minds are made up or are not made up. Um, Now, Joey calls them from the telethon and they wonder, like, hey, when are you going to be gone? And he tells them, like, there's a mix-up with the studio or something or with my agent. And when he finds out that he's not on the screen, because he's like, I'm still on television, though, right? And they're like, no, we actually can't see you. So he, like, sticks his hand out until he, like, can get on television. And he's like, hello, New York. <laughs> and the girl's, like, shooing him away. You know what I think happened? What? I think, I think Joey mixed up his information. Oh, 100%. I think that Joey is the one to blame here. When isn't Joey the one to blame here? That is true. I completely agree. Um, okay. Guy's apartment. We are watching a cooking show. Um, and we find out that the chick and the duck are watching a cooking show where they're talking. It literally talks about cooking a duck. Oh, my gosh. So so Chandler comes in, and he kind of does this little, like, ah, scream. Comes in and, like, scampers over to turn it off and literally yells at the chick and the duck. Like, I thought I told you guys to never watch the cooking channel. Now, Monica comes in, and you can tell that there's a little riff in their relationship here. She's asking for the broiling pan back. That Joey borrowed, and he was like, oh, that was yours? Find out they used it when the duck was throwing up caterpillars, which is the only reference we hear to throwing up. So was Joey wearing the suit while they were throwing up? I don't know. She instantly names off the exact place in the Williams-Sonoma catalog so that he can buy her a new one. And in Chandler fashion, he jokes and says, it'll be there in 46 weeks. So she kind of like nods and turns around and is ready to leave. 
So the Magna Doodle here says Evil Joe in all caps with flames mm. around it. So we would okay. assume that Phoebe wrote it because she talked about oh. him being evil. That is smart. Good catch. Um, now Chandler propositions her. He's like, hey, Joey's not going to be back tonight. Why don't we? And she's like, I think I'm going to pass. And when he inquires why, she again famously imitates his dance. I, she, it's so good. It's like the perfect way. It's like a little bit more eccentric in a way that's very mocking, but also gathers the essence of his dance. Like, it's so good the way that she does it. Um, and he's like, he's like, your point. (laughs) Um, so back at the telethon. So Phoebe calls from the cafe to tell him about her good deed. And, uh, she's like, I let a bee sting me so he can look tough in front of, in front of his friends. And Joey was like, the bee probably died because bees die because they're, literal intestines get ripped out when their stinger detaches and Phoebe's like dang it and Joey asks to switch to be in the shot with a guy while they're still on break they go to live again at the studio and he's in the back fighting with the guy to get his spot now we jump back to the apartment the friends are all hanging out and Ross barges in saying he can't make the decision it's too difficult so he's gonna leave it up to a magic eight ball monica calls it a toy phoebe very much disagrees ross is kind of lost though he's like either i'm gonna be divorced twice you know before my 30s or lose my best friend he practically begs them for a suggestion and they can't come up with anything so eight ball it is he does it twice and both times it says Ask again later, which he's super frustrated by. Then Monica takes it, makes a little joke with Chandler, um, asks if he's going to have sex tonight, to which it replies, um, like, what, probably not or not likely. Yeah, it says, like, not a good chance or something. Yeah. Uh, Back at the telethon again, Phoebe is pledging, which is a selfish selfish selfless good deed because she doesn't like pbs as we talked about but that ticket puts them over their last year's donations and joey gets commendations on television and phoebe's like oh my gosh joey's on tv that makes me feel and realizes shoot this negates my selfless good deed which i would argue it doesn't but nonetheless that is what they present in the story Back at the apartment again, Chandler comes over while Monica is cleaning. And he's like, okay, they're like, it's time to reconcile. You made me the best. And that's the, like, the only reason that it's the best. Like, me and you together, like, call the other girls. I was nothing before you. You make me the best. And that's the reason why. That's why I'm so excited about it. Like, we're the best together. It's so good. He even says, oh, my God, it's perfect. They practically agree that they owe it to sex to be together tonight and he's about to carry her over to the other room or into his apartment and at first he's like keep the gloves on and she's like i just cleaned the bathroom he's like yeah yeah yeah. go ahead and take them off go ahead and take them <laughs> off and then he bangs his head her head on the 
on the door frame, but ultimately they're getting it on tonight. And then in the last scene, man, such a good scene. Ross's apartment. Rachel comes over to pick Ross uh, Ross up for Stella. Uh, They must have had plans to go see a show together. And he is so sad. He's waiting on a call from Emily. He like preambles a little bit. They're kind of like talking. She tries to offer him her ear. He's kind of like every time she gets close, he kind of moves to a different part of the apartment. And finally, like Rachel's like, whatever Emily wants, just give it to her. Like fix what she wants fixed. You have to try. You'll hate yourself if you don't. And the whole time we know that she doesn't know. Like she doesn't know what she's giving advice for. But once again, Rachel is the one that's giving the good relationship advice to Ross. She did it with the with the um, when she was in that cheerleader outfit talking about her fat lip cheerleader, like being on the outs, like go inside like uh, to Emily, really like she just hung out with your friends for an entire like party and isn't like running scared, like go after her. So once again, Rachel is like, just do whatever it takes. Like you're you'll hate yourself if you don't. And Emily calls. And he's like, Rachel's like kind of getting ready to leave, but she's like kind of meandering just because she wants it to turn out well for him. Um, which he said that thing that you wanted me to do, I'll do it. So he agrees to it right in front of Rachel. And Rachel kind of motions like, what did she say? Like, is it good? And he kind of like puts his thumbs up because he's feeling all of the things while she's just happy for her friend and then goes in for a hug and I legit teared up again. I'm just a, I must be a, I must be close to starting my period because I am <laughs> sappy these last couple episodes. Um, I teared up because it was so sweet and Rachel like didn't even realize what she was agreeing to. Um, and Ross, you can tell, is so torn about it. It's a hard position to be put in, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really sweet scene and like I appreciate Rachel saying all that she did you know and like being selfless like that but at the same time had she realized what she was agreeing to like she wouldn't have done that yeah totally agree and i mean we'll broach that when we get to a different episode but for now it just lets you linger um because the tag i mean it doesn't really have to do with that storyline but we find chandler they're The tag is down at the cafe. Chandler is slowly sneaking out of the bathroom. Then he picks up like a random postcard, I think, to look at on the table where they normally sit. A few seconds go by. Monica peeks her head out. She also sneaks out of the bathroom, makes sure no one is putting the pieces together. She also sits down drinking her coffee. She's like, never done that before. He's like, nope. And that is pretty much it. Yeah. Any any last final fun facts that you have before we officially move on from the episode recap portion? Of the um, just two. Um, okay. The uncut DVD version of this episode features an additional scene where unsuccessfully Ross tries to convince Carol and Susan to move to London. Mm. Um, it'd be kind of fun to see. Um, yeah. And then I think we've talked about this before, but... Ross's age is inconsistent throughout oh. the years. 
Um, that is a famous thing on Friends. Yeah. His age. In Yikes. The one where Monica gets a roommate, he says he's 26, implying he was born in 67. And then in season mm. three, the one where Monica and Richard are friends, or just friends, he says he's 29. But in the next season, um, in the one where they're going to party, he says again that he's 29, implying he was born in 68. Furthermore, in this episode, he says he is about to get divorced again before he's 30, implying he's still 29, which would make him born in 69. And then later in season eight, in the one with the videotape, he claims that he backpacked across Europe in 83, then whispers to himself, I was 13, implying he was born in 69 or 70. So we have no idea how old he is. I feel like, now mind you, I'm not a show creator. I do not create characters. I don't write. But I feel like when you're creating characters, some of the first things that you come up with are name and date of birth to just like to to create some sort of like character bible that I you I feel like yeah like I think like I think character writing 101 is like you have or show writing 101 is like you have to build your character yeah like each character like, and like give them a personality like make them a person mm-hmm, and then not mm-hmm. stray from that unless yes. you're going to like build in their character build in their like personality or whatever like i could name shows that like do a really good job at this but like i feel like friends didn't so much yeah i completely agree completely agree all right favorite scene um i think both of the little little moments when they did the dance when monica and chandler both did their little dance yeah because it was just so perfect and like their their demeanor with each other in this whole episode i just love that we're finally there I know. Agreed. I My favorite scene is definitely Chandler coming in, saying, I want to talk to you. I have a cooking question. And then asking if he's better than Richard. <laughs> yeah. And then the resulting dance on the table. I think overall that's the best scene. A couple standout moments, though, are definitely Monica and then Ross or David Schwimmer handing the lamp over to Matthew Perry. Like classic behind the scenes. Good fun fact. But I thought it was a funny moment. What about episode rating? Um, I'm probably going to give this one an Unagi. Just okay. like right in the middle. I mean, it wasn't like one of my favorite episodes. Um, mm-hmm. I think it has like a lot of, you know, things to like help us push forward. But um, it wasn't like a super favorite one of mine. So, yeah. Sure. I'm going to give it a how you doing. I thought it was above par with the funny moments. I'm ready for Chandler and Monica to be past like they're yes. like in the last episode. They were kind of bickering because of the whole nurses thing and, and them trying to gain the power in the relationship. And this one Chandler's bragginess turned Monica off a little, but he was, but then like they reconcile and it's super cute. I'm just ready for them to be like fully them. I'm like ready for the friends to start finding out. Yes. Oh, I can't wait for that either. Which also um, means that the pivot episode is coming up and I cannot wait. Yes. Oh my gosh. I can't believe we're getting there. Holy crap. That seemed like a blink in our eye <laughs> four years ago when we started. I know. I don't know how long it's been, but anyways. Um, yeah. So how you doing? So that leads us to our post-show wrap up and kicking that off with trivia time. All right. Which one of the friends didn't want to take part in the lottery pool for the th- million jackpot. Phoebe? Phoebe? 
She just doesn't seem like a gambler. No, guess again. Rachel. Nope. Dang it. Joey? No, it's Ross. <laughs> oh, dang it. I was going to guess Ross. Uh, like how we both that confidently is... said Phoebe, too. I know. We were like, Phoebe? <laughs> she just doesn't seem to be big on the big institution thing. So I was like, maybe right. that's yeah. lottery. All right. Name, okay. name the three friends who went on a ride along with a policeman. Uh, Joey, Chandler, and Ross. I'm gonna say Joey, Rachel, and Phoebe. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Joey saved Ross. Oh, but it wasn't Ross. It was the sandwich, and Chandler was mad about that. Oh, it was the guys, wasn't it? I think so. You're right. Yes, nailed it. Crushed it halfway there all right Ooh, i need to have these ready <laughs> social social media spotlight we have a message from addy um this is also a first friend interaction uh, mind you it was in may right before we went on break um she said, I just wanted to let you guys know that I love this podcast. I've been binging it for the past few months and I'm almost caught up now, which honestly makes me sad because that what will I listen to on my walks or my drive to work? Keep being great. I can't wait to hear the rest. Then a few days later, she said, I just finished episode 96. We're in the social media spotlight. You mentioned me. Mentioned, oh, so it wasn't a first friend. Well, sorry, Addie. Mentioned, uh, mentioned me mentioning you guys in my story, but it was too long ago that you couldn't see it. So I thought I'd send it to you every day in 2022. I post something I'm thankful for. And on March 21st, I was thankful for you guys. Oh, so sweet. Um, Which was so sweet. Thank you. Um, Which we responded. I responded on our behalf. Llewellyn. Oh, my gosh. That is so kind. We love the practice of gratitude and thankfulness and are so thrilled to have been one of yours. She replied to that saying, you guys are simply the best. I love your podcast so much. And I'm so glad to have stumbled across it last year. Then a few days later, she said, I'm listening to episode one-on-one, sorry, 101, and one of the trivia questions was, what animal does Phoebe give Joey to get over Rachel? And I just watched this episode today and wanted to let you know it's in the episode titled The One with the Birthing Video, which I think one of our other friends mentioned um, is our Swedish friend, I think. Yeah. Um, But uh, because we got these all at the same time, but I'm getting to this one later, this was just as relevant, and she um, sent a picture of it and she said dog for reference lol so thank you Addie, for reaching out to us and letting us know where where we failed <laughs> <laughs> yes then um one of our dogs that we reposted was from noodle boy instagram name so cute um, instagram handle is s d i t lewis l-o-u-i-s noodle boy um she said she would boop her dog's nose for us because we said most boopable nose which i think is adorable um and then our last one of this episode is just a quick shout out to victoria solarte solarte i don't know um she sent us a real not a real a meme um and we just thought it was really good so shout out to victoria for sending the reels appreciate it or the memes. Gosh, I don't know why I mix those up. It's because I'm old and in my 30s. So that is our social media spotlight. All right. Let's do 
recommend to a friend. Llewellyn, go. Okay, I am very late to the game on this one. Um, yes, yes, you are. <laughs> I'm like, yes, by years. Yeah, I'm like kind of ashamed um, because I'm really obsessed with it now, but also like, yeah. I was recommended this show. I got it before I say what it is. I was recommended this show two years ago, over two years ago now. (laughs) um, When this show was in its sixth and final season, I was recommended this show. And I think at the time I was trying to, it was right around the time COVID hit um, for the first time. And I was trying to not, like one of my like resolutions in 2020, you know, prior to COVID, obviously, was Oof. to cut back on television because I just, oh. I watched <laughs> like the so worst much. year. To I know do that. it didn't actually stick because COVID, but um, sure. I was just trying to cut back. So when this show was recommended to me, it was about a month into COVID and I was did still, did I recommend it to you? No, um, no. you did not. I was still in that, like, I can't start another show. Like, I was still at the point where I was like, I'm rewatching shows I've already watched because I can't be obsessed with something new. So I didn't Ah, watch it. And it took two years. And the person that recommended this show to me a couple months ago was our lovely friend, Nicole, of all people people to recommend this show to me. I was a little shocked, but she recommended it to me. I binged watched it hardcore. so good. And I am just now finishing it for the second time in two months. Um, Whoa. Yes. Llewellyn. Granted, granted, the episodes are so short. Um, They are. But that show is called Schitt's Creek. And if you have not seen it, I highly recommend you go watch it. It is so good. So funny. So hilarious. Um, It, like, kind of transports you into, like, a whole different world essentially um because the way that eugene and daniel levy wrote it is just i think incredible Mm -hmm. um and i've done like when i'm bored at work i've been watching like interviews that they've given and just like hearing them talk about it and like how he wrote it and the dedication he had to it i was like man you were that that's intense and it's an incredible show so if you've not watched it if it's been one of those ones that people are like you should check it out and you've like been on the fence don't wait any longer just go watch it it's so good. It's on Netflix. I don't know how much longer. I heard a rumor that it's coming off of Netflix. Um, what? Yeah. I don't know where it's going. I think it's going to go to... Netflix is slowly Hulu. dying. I'm legit worried Hulu. about it. I don't know. It's not like... Because I think Netflix has been doing a good job in like putting on there like when it's coming off. And I haven't seen like a title thingy that says, like, last day to watch. So I don't know when that's happening or if it's happening, but... Just go watch it. It's hilarious. It's Shit's Creek. You're not going to be disappointed. If you like shows like any kind of sitcom type show, you'll love it. So just go watch it. That's all I'll say. I could literally talk about it for hours on end because I'm currently <laughs> obsessed with it. But it's so good. I'm very late to the game. I apologize. I need. I still haven't texted the friend that recommended it to me two years. I need to. You need to. Uh, Yes, I should have watched it two years that ago. That friend deserves to know. And at the time in my life, too, here's the other thing, another little dive. I would not have appreciated the show as much at that point in my life, I don't think, because when she recommended it to me, it was right around the time that my brother passed away. And mm-hmm. while I think it would have been a good distraction, I don't think I would have enjoyed the show as much. So that makes sense. I think when I watched it now, it was probably good. 
So it's incredible. Anyways, love. What would you recommend? That I recommend comb headbands. Now this is kind of perfect and on brand for this show because it definitely reminds me of the '90s, aka also it reminds me of my mother. Um, comb headbands are like imagine a headband that circles all the way around your head, but it's like the toothed combs to keep your hair back. Um, I got my hair cut like pretty short, shorter than what I've had in a long time. And in order to make my hair last a little longer, I can't really put it up in like a messy bun anymore. So I have to find a way to like keep it off of my face for um, like sleeping or, you know, just giving it because when I pull it back, it gives me a little bit more volume when I go to like put it down regular again. So these comb headbands are a way that I've done it. Um, You can easily find these on Amazon. They're pretty cheap because they're sorry, but they're plastic. Um, But yeah, comb headbands. If you want to throw back to the 90s, um, make you think they'll make you think of butterfly clips. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, It's a way to put your hair back if you don't want something like a regular headband that doesn't have any because like a regular headband doesn't have any grip to it. And eventually your hair falls like even though it's kind of pushed back, it kind of falls where it's normal like part is and stuff. Whereas the comb keeps your hair like actually combed back um, all the way around your head. So it helps helps me with volume and keeping my hair out of my face um, since I can't put my hair in a loose bun anymore. So comb headbands recommend to a friend. Nice. Um, How short is your hair? Um, Maybe just barely below collarbone. And it's blonde. Blonde. I feel like I'm yeah. gonna need you to send me a picture of this. Okay, I did I send one to my friends? I'll see if I sent one to my friends. I'll forward it. If I'll not, then the next you. time you take a picture, send it to me. Which I know you okay. won't remember, but I'll keep hounding you. No, I will because I, I my hair is I so did. long. I think you might be proud of it. It's I didn't needs take a to picture be for sure because my friends saw me in person. Okay, it is long. That's interesting. Yours is long and I cut mine short. Yeah, I should cut mine short because it's hotter than hot down here. But yeah, 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 yeah. Love it. Um, Okay. The one that you just typed in, I think you already did. Mm. I remember it specifically. Sorry. Um, Okay. Next week, we are going to cover the one with the kips. One with the kips. Okay. (laughs) You're like editing the document. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. We will catch you next week on the One with Friends podcast.